Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, Trisha. Thank you for joining me. Yes, thank you for having me. Uh, I wanted to kind of just jump in and start off with, I would just love to hear about like your journey, like into the sex space and like how Safe Slut was born. Yeah, um, so it's actually kind of funny. Um, a few weeks so I, I started Safe Slut essentially just by getting genital herpes. Okay. Um, yeah. And so a few weeks before I got herpes, I was like journaling, you know, manifesting whatnot. And I was like, I really want to work in like sexual health, the sexuality field. Um, but I was like, I don't really know what that like would look like. I've just always been interested in like sex and, and, and wellness kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then like, yeah, two weeks later, boom, I get herpes. So be careful what you wish for. Um, <laughs> That's actually kind of insane. Yeah, it's really weird. Um, but yeah, I it took me a few months to start Safe Slut. But the day that I got diagnosed, I kind of, I thought of the name Safe Slut. I knew I was going to go public about it even though okay. I was also just like miserable. <laughs> yeah. But it just, it just made sense. I just knew it was going to happen. Um, so I was working like through stigma. Um, and yeah, a few months later, so it was February, 2020. I started it. So right, right before the pandemic, um, I started the Instagram account and I started it initially anonymously um, because I was still like nervous to show my face on there. Yeah. Of um, course. But then after like a few weeks, I was like, you know what, let me post a photo of myself on here. Like the people who are following me also have herpes. So like, it's fine. And then a few weeks after that, I posted like this censored nude on my personal Instagram. I was just like, hey, everyone, I have genital herpes. Follow me at Safe Slut kind of thing. Um, And so it started out as kind of a page to help myself mostly, honestly, um, through the herpes diagnosis, as well as help others like find community. But as I was like working on it, I was able to, I I had this platform to talk about all these things that I've always wanted to say, just in terms of like slut shaming, other sexual stuff, dating, um, just everything. So it's kind of turned into this whole like sex positive space. And I also am an herbalist and esthetician. So I've always made my own um, products um, like tinctures and like skincare stuff. So when I got herpes, I made my own products to help with that. So now I also sell like herpes products on my website, as well as like um, PMS tinctures, sleep tinctures, um, like aphrodisiac stuff. Um, so kind of do a lot of different things on Safe Slot, essentially. It almost feels like you manifesting this life and, you know, this idea that you want to work in the sex space and work in like sexual wellness. And then two weeks later to get that diagnosis, it feels like it almost like equipped you to handle it better because you were like, oh, like this these have, there's no way these are like not connected. Like this has to be something that I'm like, I'm, you know, there's no turning back. There's no like shutting myself in. There's no ignoring this. Like this is, this is it. Like this is the catalyst I need to start this. Right. It just, it literally just like forced me to do it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, obviously at the time I didn't really look at it like, oh, this is like perfect. Like this really worked out. Um, it it took a lot. Like once I was like really doing safe, then I was like, ah, okay, that makes sense. This is great. 
Um, so I'm definitely grateful for my diagnosis in terms of like what work I've been able to do, the people that I've met. Um, and also I've done so much like self work because getting herpes forces you to become a better person. Um, so I'm very grateful for the experience, which is, I know, probably shocking to a lot of people to hear. No, I think that's that's totally understandable. Do you feel like when mm-hmm. you first started working in the se- in the sex space, started posting, like you know, created Safe Slut, that was there were there people in your real day to day life that were like felt weird about it, or that like you know, kind of like maybe like shamed you, or that you had to kind of like rethink relationships with? Like, was it a total one eighty for you? You know, the diagnosis is one thing, but for you to be like, I'm I'm jumping into this, like I'm going to be completely sex positive, like, you know, posting on your personal mm-hmm. account, all of that. Was it like a shock for anyone? Um, I'm not sure because no one said anything to my face, but I'm sure people have said it <laughs> to themselves or just not to me. But um, I mean, I've definitely lost followers. Like whenever I post like um, sex related stuff or even just like thirst traps, I always lose followers on my personal really? account. <laughs> yeah. So it's either people just like aren't ready for it yet you know um and I don't think it's like they're like oh I hate this person I think it's just like probably too much for them because I know it's it's obviously like progressive um so maybe too much too soon for them but but honestly I feel like majority of the time I've been I've just received like really positive feedback um and from people that I wouldn't have expected as well like either like messages from like acquaintances that were like oh my god I have herpes too I've never told anyone like thank you for this work that you're doing um amazing yeah so it's definitely worth worth all of it like any negative responses which is usually just from trolls on the internet it's never from anyone that I know for the most part so yeah so definitely a positive experience well, I feel like herpes already carries this like ridiculous, you know, stigma. And I've talked about this on the podcast a decent amount about how like the most dangerous thing about herpes is the social stigma. But then on top of that, I exactly. think just like really like generally confident women make people uncomfortable, especially people on the internet and like mm-hmm. really sexually empowered women make people really uncomfortable on the internet. So unfortunately, you know, you losing followers checks because like that's just how it goes. Right. You know what I mean? It's like the more you right. like lean into yourself and become more confident and like are I guess like unapologetic and like who you are and what you like and what you choose to share on the internet people are going to like always get be uncomfortable with that unfortunately right and it just shows that the the work that I'm doing is so necessary if people are still feeling uncomfortable so it adds more fuel to the fire yeah (laughs) so one thing I really want to talk about is your work as a Reiki master I'm saying that right Mm -hmm. right Yes. Yeah. I've lived in LA for 10 years. One of my best friends like is a Reiki master and full-time like tarot and astrologer. And for some reason, it's one of those words. You have those words that just your brain is like, I'm not going to ever feel comfortable. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, But I would love to talk about your work as a Reiki master and, and also being like a witch because I feel like there are so many people who don't have access like to that kind of work, right? They don't live in like a big city. Mm -hmm. Like you're in New York, I'm in Los Angeles. It's like people have never even heard of Reiki and especially you might not understand how it can maybe coincide with sexuality. And obviously there's a lot of stigma around like the word witch and so many misconceptions Mm -hmm. with that. So I would just like love to hear more about your work in that space. Yeah, for sure. And again, the the Reiki actually was like another thing that kind of went during my herpes diagnosis. So everything just kind of like all aligned. Um, but so for those that don't know, Reiki is essentially, um, a form of energy healing. Um, I feel like whenever I explain it to people, it sounds like really fake, especially when I explain (laughs) distance Reiki, like it sounds like so wild, but I mean, I do it and it works. It's legit. Um, but essentially, um, whether the person's present or I'm doing it in a distant session, I would use like, use these Reiki symbols to connect to them, 
put my hands on them in certain areas, feel kind of what needs to be healed. It works um, kind of like healing the chakras. It works um, emotionally or physically for things. Um, it works on what is needed. So someone might be like, you know, I'm coming in because I my leg hurts and then I'll do Reiki on them. And then it's like, maybe their leg still hurts, but it actually healed something emotional or whatever. It's like what their highest self kind of needed at the time. Okay. Um, yeah. And it's, it's super simple. It's kind of, I call it like a massage for the chakras, essentially. Um, it's really relaxing. Um, yeah, it's amazing. And so the first time, the first session I did was like two or three weeks after I was diagnosed. And I actually booked the um, certification like, like a month or so prior. So it was like, before oh, I wow. my... so yeah, so another thing that like worked out really well. And um, it was super healing, like it really helped me help me through everything. But the one that was more like, whoa, um, was a few months later, I got certified in Reiki too. And that's when I just started Safe Slut. And so we were going around the room. It was just, it's always like a small group of women usually. So there was like okay. five or six of us um, with my Reiki teacher. We were going around the room, just kind of like introducing ourselves. And I was just telling them that I started this um, like woman's health, like destigmatizing things. I was like very, very vague. I was like, I don't really want people <laughs> to know. Yeah. And, um, and then we worked on each other, got um, attuned to level two. And then, um, this woman came up to me um, after everyone left and was like, she was like, I didn't want to say this like um, in front of everyone, but she was like, but when I worked on you, I just got all of this just like sexual goddess, like sexual healing, um, like energy. She was like, I just like saw all this like stuff. And I was like, funny you say that. Cause that's exactly the work that I'm doing. And that's like exactly oh the path goodness. that I'm like, yeah, just like one of those, like, wait, what? Um, and then I actually yeah. did um, a natal chart reading with my Reiki teacher um, I think ar around that time and she was like everything she was saying was like because I didn't I did also didn't tell her um, exactly what I was doing and then when she said all these like sexual related stuff like working against taboos all the stuff I was like well this is again exactly the work that I'm doing so it's just like funny to see how everything aligns and it also kind of like confirmed my like witchy spiritual practice that it's like yeah everything is just like right it's all right there you know do you find yeah. with a lot of the healing work that you do that maybe especially for women it's um there is a lot of like sexual you know trauma or things that they're holding in or things that they need to like work through with their own sexuality and stuff like is yeah. that something that comes up a lot yeah definitely and unfortunately yeah i think most women have some sort of like sexual trauma or, yeah. or relational trauma um so when i do Reiki on clients now. Um, obviously, I'm like, I cater towards um, people with herpes, but um, a lot of the time it's people with just usually just like various sexual trauma. Um, so, which is unfortunate, but I'm happy that I'm like in this space to help, you know? Absolutely. Well, it's unfortunate. And it's also one of those things that I think, you know, we want to be so strong and we want to like act like these things don't affect us, but they do. And they, they, they affect us even in ways we might not realize. Like, I think a lot of people mm -hmm. don't realize that things like that, like, for example, getting like a herpes diagnosis, right. Or dealing with like any sexual trauma is like, can affect you physically, just like even the stress and like the stigma mm -hmm. and like navigating, like, okay, like, how is this, you know, how does my life look now in terms of like dating and like having those conversations and like whatever it is, everything that goes through your mind, you know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, it's, 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 it obviously like transcends diagnoses and it goes into like eventually, 
you know, if you want to like be more into someone, you have to kind of like talk about your shit and talk about your past and like talk about things that have like affected you. And I think that a lot of times we want to act like everything's okay and act like just because we're not like breaking down and sobbing every day that we're fine. When in reality, those things can really affect us and can affect our bodies. The amount of people I know that have had like back issues or kidney issues or all of these, you know what I mean? Like problems. Mm -hmm. And then they find out it's related to like stress or traumas or issues that are you know, technically more emotional. It's shock. It's shocking to me how much the physical and the emotional coincide. Right. Yeah. And in Reiki, we have like, I have this like booklet of like a chart of like what organ relates to like what emotional thing or, or and stuff like that. Um, and it's also, again, like that, like gut to brain connection where like everything is related to our gut health Yeah. and how it's like, you know, like, I just feel like it's like stupid. Like, like when you're playing, like, hide and seek as a kid and like you get nervous and then you have to like pee because you're scared or just like yeah <laughs> in general it's like that same thing that, that gut to brain where it's like you have this like stomach thing I, I don't know um but yeah it's it's all related and especially the stress part too um that that is everything um and and for people with herpes especially herpes um stress is a huge trigger for people with herpes yeah so and then while you're navigating um the diagnosis um you're obviously more stressed and you're like freaking out and that can like bring on more uh, herpes outbreaks because you're just like, what is going on? It's all this emotional stuff. And it's unfortunate because it shouldn't be that. It should just be very normal when you get diagnosed. Absolutely. I've, I've seen that firsthand with friends of mine or people I'm dating who have HSV1 and it's like they'll get an outbreak and, you know, maybe that outbreak would go away in like three to four days, but like it'll last like a week and a half because now they're so stressed about it and they're like, I don't want to go out. I don't want to do anything and like trying to do whatever they can to like make sure it goes away as fast as possible at the very least hide it. And then like that stress, you know, it's just like, it's such a vicious cycle with things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I always tell people when I'll get DMs from people who are newly diagnosed, I'll be like, I just had my first outbreak. Like I never want to have one again. Like what do I do to prevent it? And like, I'm like, I'll give you tips on how to like manage it and prevent it. But like you probably will get another outbreak and right. that's okay. Like I always try to tell people like, it's, it's not the end of the world. Like, okay. Like for a couple of days, you just have to kind of treat this thing. But then I always look at it as like, okay, you're getting an outbreak for a reason, whether that's stress or your immune system's low. So either way, it's an indicator from your body to take a step back and relax, do some self-care, maybe like take the day out if you can. Um, so it's a, it's a great reminder to like pause for a moment. You might be doing Completely. too much, going out too much, you know? Absolutely. And even diet too, right? Like too much sugar or too much salt or maybe like indulging in like processed foods and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I know that can be a big trigger for it as well. Yeah. Like you said, kind of it can can almost work in a way of like, okay, like maybe it's time for like a cleanse. Maybe it's time to like go to the farmer's market, throw away the chips, like have a self-care day, make some tea, like relax and just like kind of check in with myself. Exactly. Exactly. So at the end of the day, it's going to benefit you because it's giving you a reason to like really focus on your health. Completely. So, so yeah. if you if you don't mind me asking, are you single right now? Are you dating? Um, I'm single. Am I dating? Like not really. I deleted <laughs> okay. my <laughs> I deleted my dating apps, like all of them, a couple of weeks ago, just because I'm the thing the funny thing is about like dating with herpes is I herpes is not even a factor like of the reason that dating is so hard for me. Like it's just like hard in general for everyone. Yeah. Um so I've just, yeah, yeah, not doing it right now. I don't have the energy. <laughs> was there like a, was there like a catalyst or something specific that like a couple weeks ago you were like, fuck this and I'm off the dating apps or were you, was it more um, just like a slow burn of like bad dates? 
Yeah. Because I know a lot of people that. who are deleting dating apps. Like it's like a thing, right? Yeah. People are like, I'm not, I'm absolutely not doing dating apps. I'm over it. Yeah. I went on a date, I think it was probably like three or four weeks ago at this point. And it was just boring. Like I met this person off of field and I'm, I'm monogamous, but I'm like open to like some level of non-monogamy in an ethical way, obviously. Uh-huh. But this person just like just moved to the city and like seemed like they just kind of wanted to go balls to the wall and like <laughs> that kind of thing. And like, I'm just, and I, he was also two years younger than me. Like I'm 28. This man was 26 and I usually date men in their thirties um, for obvious reasons. So it was just like, he just seemed too young. And it was also just like, there's just no chemistry. And I was like, all right, I tried. Um, I tried. <laughs> I tried it. The apps. Fuck yeah. This. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, if it, if, it, if it happens organically, like, obviously, I'm, I'm very open to it. Like, I'm very emotionally available. But right. again, just being like, super busy. I'm really focused on safe. So I also have a full time job as well. And living in New York City is just chaos. I feel like I'm always there's always like something to do. I'm always hanging out with, with a friend. I don't know. So it's definitely take it's it's on the back burner for me at this point, but yeah, not because of herpes, just because dating is kind of shit in New York, and I'm tired. This is like I don't mean to be that bitch, but this you're like absolutely gonna like meet your next partner like in the next month. There's just this conversation always happens before you meet someone like this. Like you yeah, know what? I'm just yeah. on the back burner right now. Like I actually don't really give a shit, and like I want to focus on work. And then like that mm-hmm. never ever fails that like somebody's gonna swoop in in the next month. I know, right? <laughs> It no, it's so true. It, yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully, who knows, you know. And it's also a double-edged sword being in a big city because I, I, you know, I'm a serial monogamous, but I hear this all the time from my friends who are dating of like how it's, you know, nice being in a big city because like you said, it's like you're in New York, like you're out, you know, you can be out all the time and things are open late. Like there are people around, you're always meeting people. So like, it's incredible, right? For dating. But then on top, mm-hmm. like when you are actively like, I want to be dating, I want to find someone, I am going to put myself out there. It becomes sort of like nightmarish in like the yes. amount of people. And also just with that many people, you're just like statistically going to get like some shitty people and yeah. dating apps are a nightmare. So it's kind of a double-edged sword being in a big city because I know people who are like, right. you know, dating in LA is amazing because there's so many people and it's amazing because I have all these options. But then they're like, dating in LA is awful because there's too many people and there's so many options. Too many options. Yeah. I, I think everyone like feels that word. It's like, okay, well, this person's cool, but I can find better. Like, it's so, like, quickly on to the next. And right. I feel Especially, like it's actually like, yeah. not to, like, therapize our generation. But, like, we – you know what I mean? We have so many options with everything. And we're so used to, like, mm-hmm. this instant gratification with just, like, right. media and, like, the internet and, like, porn, which is, like, a whole other conversation. But it's, like, it becomes harder to, like, invest in someone. If somebody has, like, right. one red flag or, like, little, like, ick, it's, like, eh, well, there's, like, literally not exactly there's more. Really yeah. Option, and I, and I so. feel like using using dating apps is just, like – too overwhelming for me also and then I also just feel like it's just like it's like a game for me swiping like it's like yeah it's like left left left, 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 left like so fast and then it's like oh here's one like person who's like relatively hot it's like right like it's just you know it's it's too yeah. much so I think organic is the way to go I mean there's I have a lot of friends who have met people from dating apps so like they definitely work yeah but I don't know if it's like my my vibe right now <laughs> Completely. And yeah. when you're dating, I mean, obviously there's, you know, I'm sure you're having, you know, you're having the conversation about your diagnosis. But on top of that, I'm more curious about like you bringing up and pushing this idea of like, I, by the way, I work in like the sex space, right? Like this idea of like mm-hmm. sex positivity, working in sexuality, because like, so like I said, I'm a serial monogamist and my last relationship was like kind of like a COVID relationship. I feel like you mm-hmm. like, no offense mm-hmm. to him, he was kind of like, you know, in, like a COVID like 
adopted you know puppy it's like this like really nice thing for covid and then covid ended and we were like oh this is like not right and then i kind of yeah. immediately ended up with like the partner i am with now so i didn't i haven't really and i was i've been in sex education for like 3 years i got certified as a sex educator over the pandemic so a lot of my work in sexuality i've already been in like a long term kind of like monogamous relationship mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. So I haven't really had to navigate dating that much. And the few times I have, I felt like I would immediately get – you, like, don't want to think this is going to happen, but it's, like, I would, would immediately get the very obvious, like, oh, you must, like, be a vixen. You must, like, fuck all the time because you, like, work in yeah. sexuality yeah. and because you're, like, sexually empowered. And it's so ridiculous and so annoying, but I haven't had to, like – navigate it that much. So I kind of wanted to just ask about like that, like being an advocate for sexual empowerment, owning your sexuality and dating, especially if you're dating men, it's like, it becomes this whole other like layer of thing that you need to like work on. Yeah. It's, you basically just get fetishized. Um, so I have done various things on dating apps where I'll either be like, so over the top open about um the work that I do which is how I prefer to be because I that's who I am I'm very I'm an open book I love talking about what I'm passionate about and being like super open um so the before I did my dating apps my profiles were just like I do this destigmatizing work like I have an OnlyFans like I'm looking for people to make content with um but also date um all this stuff, all of my photos were like me and lingerie being like obviously hot. Yeah. And it's funny because I, 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 in my mind, I'm like, okay, I feel like me being very open about this will eat, will weed out people who can't like, can't handle it. Right. Like but, somebody who sees but, that and is completely like uh, made uncomfortable by it isn't, is probably just not even going to swipe. Yeah. And I, and I'd rather that, like, I'd rather have less completely. masses for, for that reason. So I would, I did get a number of people who were like really cool about it and weren't like immediately like being sexual. Cause like I hate on dating apps when people are sexual right off the bat and even like, no matter what, like if we don't even meet yet and you're saying sexual things to me, like I hate that. Me too. Um, it's so gross to me. Um, so of course I would get like a bunch of like gross messages, but so it'd either be like really gross fetishy stuff or it'd be like people who are really cool. Um, but then I've also done other things where I've like completely hidden it and kept it very vanilla on my dating apps. Um, and that was just, then it's like too many, too many matches. And then like, once I talk about it, then it's like having that conversation where I have to like explain things. And then it's, then I feel like I end up getting more fetishized because the people who you would think that I was matching with who you think would be like stand up nice guys end up being like gross as well it's so. almost like a time waster too because then you have to like yeah. have those conversations versus like letting people just like kind of tell on themselves by like not matching or whatever it's like yeah 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 exactly so I just feel like yeah it's definitely hard um but that's why I think in person's better in a way because then I'm in when I go out like obviously I'm not going to like a frat bro bar so like right. <laughs> like I'm going to places where it's usually like a sex positive space um or just something I so I mean I mean there's gonna be shitty people wherever you go but I think I would have a better chance we're in an organic setting where it's like like like-minded yeah I mean that's the thing that's yeah it's hard because it's like sometimes I feel like I've met people who seem really cool but then it's like even the slightest comment now because I've dealt with it will kind of trigger me a little like somebody will be like oh they're really cute they seem really fine with everything it's like also at this point like pretty much all the dating apps are like connected to Instagram and so many people you meet are connected so it's like if your work is on Instagram which most of us is it's like they're going to see that anyway and they'll be totally fine but then even the slightest comment like oh so like what can you teach me I'm immediately like ugh 
yes, such a turnoff, like immediate, immediate red flag for me. And it's like that. And then it's also people who are like, oh, that's so cool. Like I'm sex positive too. And like, that's just means like for them, it's like just having a lot of sex. I'm like, oh, that's not right. sex positive. <laughs> it's like, it's they, they like, they've never been tested or they don't really care about testing or like, I don't know. Even when I like disclose my herpes status, like I've had some responses that are like, okay, cool. And like zero questions. And I'm like, all right, you should have a little bit of concern. I feel like at least <laughs> and, and like, come on. And then it's like, um, I'll, cause usually I'll have the, the disclosure conversation by asking them when they've been tested last. Okay. And I've you like I've never been tested before or like oh it's been a while but like the last person I was with was clean and stuff like so that like, even so in their mid to yeah. late 20s they're like dating and having casual sex and have never been tested yeah it's really really scary um yeah it's very unfortunate and I've unfortunately happens quite often which is why again the work that I'm doing is important because it's just like I think a lot of the time especially men don't get tested because they're like, oh, I don't have a symptom, so I'm I'm fine. I don't have one, or just the fear of of knowing, and Completely. they don't want to know because they don't want to change their behavior. Um, I've heard that a lot. Um, people have rejected. I have a friend. She got rejected for her herpes status by someone who like hasn't been tested in years and just wants to have unprotected casual sex. Oh. <laughs> So who's the safer person in the situation? Yeah, like my friend with her. Absolutely. It's like, it's and and especially with how asymptomatic men can be and Mm -hmm. how so many of these, you know, STIs don't even show symptoms. It's like, you're absolutely just scared of what you're going to find. Like if you weren't, if you were at at the end of the day, especially for us who are dating in bigger cities, you know, getting tested is that we have so much access to that. It's covered by most insurances and it's not, it's usually like, you know, not super expensive out of pocket. It's like if you haven't gotten tested in years, you are actively choosing to like not want to know. Right, right, exactly. And and I totally get the accessibility thing because like I'm also poor. Like I get how it can be like hard. Um, but there's like um there'll be free clinic pop-ups like every like everywhere in the city. Um yeah. so you literally you just Google it. Like there's Google. You can find it. It's not yeah. hard. And it takes like <laughs> 10 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, it's frustrating. Uh, yeah, it's super frustrating. So, I mean, speaking of that, though, another thing I feel like that you're obviously, and we've talked about it a bit, but that you're a huge advocate for and that you talk a lot is about is safe sex, right? And mm-hmm. I want to talk about safe sex because I think it's really hard for people to talk about safe sex, especially yeah. with a new partner. Like, even for me, it's like I feel like I've, once I started having sex, I was pretty, you know, on it about getting tested and stuff. And and maybe there is like an accessibility factor to that in the sense that like I was, you know, fortunate enough that I was doing having yearly gynecologist exams, right? So like it was a little bit mm-hmm. more like ingrained in me that it's like they're going to test or whatever. But it took me a while, I would say, when I was dating, when I was quite younger to have those conversations because for me, it was not that I wasn't safe and it wasn't that I wanted to be safe, but it was like this weird idea that it was going to make me or the situation unsexy. Like this idea that it was going to like quote unquote ruin things or turn them off or maybe this like weird worry that they would be like, well, why do you, you know, want to have this conversation? Do you like have, you know what I, it was like this, it's all these weird kind of like things go through your head. And, um, you know, it's like, I guess, how are we having those conversations? How are we having those conversations about like, when was the last time you got tested? If you haven't, like, do you want to like go do that together? Like what, 
what is the best way to kind of go about that, especially for someone who's maybe like new to dating or maybe mm-hmm. isn't like the most open communicator? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, so I was the same way. Um, I wanted to be like the cool chill girl and be like, yeah, like it's whatever. Oh yeah. Um, that was like so my I, MO when I was like in my young twenties, it was like, oh, I am the chill girl, same. even if it kills me. <laughs> yeah. Same. I remember like, um, the guy that I was seeing right before I got herpes, I was like in love with him and I was like, I'll do literally anything you say. And he, he didn't want to use condoms like we literally like didn't really know each other yeah and he was like um yeah we didn't even have the conversation it was just like we just like we didn't use a condom and I remember like the next day like running to go get tested so so nervous yeah Yeah. um and so yeah so it took me until I got herpes to start having these conversations and being like adamant about safer sex because um in addition to like having the conversation about testing like talking about condoms is also important because I think a lot of people were like me in the early 20s and there are people now that were like me who won't will just like let a man not use a condom because they're scared to speak up for themselves um absolutely you know and again like if that ends up being the case like if they're weird about when you ask to use a condom they're being weird about it like do not have sex with them like do not fuck those people um but for me since I have to have the conversation about STIs it's been like easier in that way to talk about it. Cause I just like literally have to, but again, like I always tell people like, don't wait until you have an STI to talk about sexual health. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't ruin the mood at all. Like it's actually like hotter. Cause it's like, Oh wow, this person cares about my health. They want me to feel safe. Like that's a turn on. Yes. Um, and I feel like it doesn't really matter when you have the conversation. Like it can be like through text. It can be like, before you have sex, like in person, like whenever, as long as it's before you're having sex, like you're fine. Um, I just always say like, when you feel comfortable with them, start talking about it. Um, so you can, even if it's like, you're not going to be disclosing, like if you're STI negative, I would still be like, Hey, it seems like we're probably going to like have sex soon. Like, it, like I, I like where this is headed, but like, before we do that, like, can we talk about when we were last tested? Um, it can just be super casual. Like it doesn't have to be a big conversation right. for me. I always will um, I usually do it in person, um, unless it's just a hookup, then I'll do it through text, just like super simple. But um, yeah, I'll just stop and be like, hey, so when were you last tested? And literally just that, like, I'm just like straight up, straight to the point. And then it's very telling how they respond because, yeah, if they're going to be like, oh, I've never been or like it's been a while, then like that's a turn off to me and that's a red flag. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so and then I'll be like, cool, like I have HSV2. Um, it's just cold sores in a different location kind of, and then like open up for questions yeah. and then, and then I just have like, um, the, like how, how can we prevent this, um, kind of thing or how can we try to prevent it? And then just talk about, um, like using condoms, like there's dental dams. Um, so yeah, it, honestly, I think it's hot. I mean, in a way you're talking about the logistics of how you're having sex. That's still talking about sex. Right. So I think it's still hot in my opinion. I agree. I remember (laughs) one of the first like huge green flags for my current partner was right before, right before the first time we had sex, you know, he was, there wasn't even like a question about like whether we were going to use condoms, right? It's like there, the condom was already out. It was like being ripped off, which Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, like this is as crazy, as crazy as it sounds as like a woman who has, you know, had casual sex in my late twenties, it was refreshing. It was like, Oh, I don't have to like make this a thing and like ask, you know what I mean? It's like, you're already just doing it. But I remember even still, you know, with the condom, I was like, well, you know, just, you know, just to have the conversation, like when was last time you got tested and they like had it like down to like, you know, it was like, I was like, oh, I think it was about like three weeks ago. I think it was about on this day. And uh, yeah, totally. And I was just like, oh, like, 
wow, you like were tested recently. And they were like, yeah, well, like, yeah, I had had, uh, you know, sex with a person for dating apps. So, like after I, you know, I have sex with someone, I always get tested. And I was like, oh my God. Oh, so hot. That's so, so hot. Love that. Refreshing and so yeah. And hot. that's how it should be. And, it, and it's such a turn on to hear that. And like, yeah, that's like number one turn on for me is, is that. And then also like asking for consent. It's like yes. obviously necessary and a turn on. Um, well, that's so, the thing yeah, is we get so in our head about all of these things, like I just said, like being mood killers or being turnoffs. And I think men too, like I think men kind of get in their head about like, you know, there's this whole like conversation about like, well, you know, it's like obviously like I want to make sure like consent is a thing. Like that's, you know, not even a question, but like is asking too much like a turnoff, like do you girls want? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I love that. Like I love when somebody's like, is this okay? Every, you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, me too. It's, I'm, I'm not like, oh my God, like now I'm, now I'm not wet anymore. Like, sorry, like get, get out. I'm, I'm not interested in this anymore yeah like, like it's, it's never it's never too much it's, it's never, too, never much. too much yeah so yeah I think it's like and I think it's I just think it's hard I think for a lot of younger people to like set clear boundaries I mean even in life like it was hard for me to set clear boundaries even with like my emotions and like the things that I like needed mm-hmm. like emotionally from people so like having those conversations I think is always a little bit harder when you're younger but it gets I think it gets easier the more you do it yeah and it's a practice like and again like for people with herpes it's like you're forced to start practicing it yeah. but it's definitely worth it because I again like I was so bad with boundaries and like all forms like like and like people pleaser like I would just do anything people say because like I yeah I'm the cool chill girl I don't want right. to cause uh, a scene like I'm fine yeah. um so it, it's yeah it, it it started with like having the STI conversation and then kind of went into like I was also in like a lot of like unfortunate like really heartbreaking situationships in my early 20s and yeah. now it's like I know how to speak up for like when I want something more and, and all these things that I would have been able to do if I didn't like start doing it with, with my herpes diagnosis. So how do you feel like you navigate people who maybe like don't respond as openly as you'd like, or like maybe get weird when you try to have those conversations mm-hmm. or maybe they say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I know I'm, cl- I haven't gotten tested, but like, I know I'm clean. I don't have any symptoms. Like, you know what I, which we all, we all know yeah. is like, not necessarily yeah. the case. It's like, I think it's so hard too, because when I was younger, I would do this thing where those conversations were really hard for me. And I found for some reason, I found them easier, which I, I guess this is pretty normal to like have them down to the wire. Like it'd be like, already on my back on the bed and I'd be like wait when was the last time you got tested you know what I mean it's like yeah um, yeah, yeah. I, have to, I have to do it now there's no turning back and yeah. obviously I don't think that's necessarily the best time to have that conversation because if you run into somebody who's being weird about it or, or who hasn't then you kind of have to like you know it just kind of makes things a little bit more awkward versus just having in like mm-hmm. an open mm-hmm. fully clothed conversation about that makes things a right and then potentially so like, potentially like unsafe to like you never know how if you don't know them that well how they're going to respond absolutely. absolutely and you're already kind of there so yeah I always say and also like doing sober as well is important to if, if you can obviously that's not always going to be the case that's but so, like that's such a good point yeah yeah um I forgot what I was gonna say but so yeah, yeah just like navigating like when somebody isn't you know obviously oh yes yeah open about it but it's like how do you for for that I guess because that conversation is already so hard for people it's like let's say you like finally get the courage to have it and then somebody reacts like negatively or weird it's like you know, it's so I want to say like my gut instinct as somebody who's like older now and more confident is like, well, fuck them. Like, you know, obviously you don't hook up with them. But I do think thinking back to who I was at 21, maybe that's like not so easy. Right. And that, that's I feel the same way now. Like for me, I'm like, all right, goodbye. Get out of my house, um, which I have done um, <laughs> yeah. before. But if I if I was 21 having these conversations, I probably would be like, 
all right, well, I'll just give you a blowjob then. Or like, let's still like give them pleasure in ways and like that didn't involve me. And that is a hard no. Like if you disclose and they're weird about it, but still want like something from you, like, no, absolutely not. Um, yeah, well, and you talk about this a lot. It's like you had this super funny poster today that was like tall my throat goats. It's like you can still get STIs <laughs> from oral sex. Yes, 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 exactly. So there's just you just want to make sure like the person is like you can trust, you feel safe with them, and they're like not being fucking weird. Um, like I again, like you can be rejected from herpes, but you can also like they can be like, all right, I'm fine with it, but then be weird about it, and then it, that kind of manifests. So yeah. I was dating someone um, last spring and he seemed like a nice guy, like not the smartest guy, but um, you know, I tried and yeah. <laughs> he was hot yeah. and, uh, and I disclosed to him and he was like, yeah, I know. Cause like he saw my Instagram and I was like, okay, cool. Like, do you have any questions? And he was like, no. And then he, and I was like, he said that he got cold sores. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like you already have it. So we yeah. would have sex with condoms. Like we didn't even talk about it. Like condoms were always used. But then I realized he wasn't going down on me. And so I was like, I brought it up, obviously, immediately. and was like, hey, what's going on here? And he yeah. was like, well, I don't want to get herpes on my face. And I was like, sir, you have herpes. You get cold sores. <laughs> like, you already get it on your mouth. And he was like, yeah, but, like, it's a different strain. And I'm like, okay, yes, that's true. But, like, you wouldn't know the difference. Right. Like, it, it, it's going to look the same. Like, you wouldn't – it wouldn't – and whatever. And then I was also like, also HSV2 really doesn't transfer orally. Um, yeah. It can happen, but it, it's just, it's very unlikely. Um, and then it's also like, okay, cool. Like you, you were more likely to get it while using a condom while having sex with me than you going down on me. But because it was your pleasure, you were okay with it, but you wouldn't right. take the risk for my pleasure. So it was just like such, it was such a turn off. And then I did, be, I did kick him out of my house and I never saw him again. Oh, um, yeah, it was, it was great. Um, but yeah, I mean, most of the time when I'm disclosing people, usually people aren't like, Oh my God, disgusting. Like that's so gross. Like I'm leaving. Like, it's usually like either like, okay, yeah, I've dated someone with it. Like I totally know about it. Or it's like, I can you just like give me more information and then just kind of having that conversation um again it's very rare that someone's going to react like really weirdly right Um, especially like in our generation and like living in a bigger city it's like we're kind of lucky to have people who are a little bit more like you know at the very least open more open-minded about these things yeah Yeah. exactly and like the older you get the more likely they've already had experience with it or known experience it's like they already have been exposed to it (laughs) it just they might have not have known that because it's usually asymptomatic do you um, and I get, would, like, mm-hmm. sorry go ahead no oh, I was just gonna say I always explain to them that it's usually asymptomatic and they it's not on the STI panel as well so they probably don't right. even know their status yeah completely yeah mm-hmm. do you get turned off having to explain not explain the details about it because it's fine if somebody just like isn't educated but like I'm thinking to the conversation you just had with that guy who obviously ended up being like an idiot but mm-hmm. it's like having to be like well you already have it on your mouth you know what I mean it's like is there a part of you that like even on top of the fact that this is like a red flag because he like doesn't care about your pleasure is there like a a part of you that's like this like do you not get it like do you you know what I mean it's like I feel like for me sometimes having to like have like very simple conversations with people I'm dating is like a really big ick for me (laughs) yeah a hundred percent and then then I know that like this is not my person like and again like I understand like we grew up as a society like with like awful sex education so I don't necessarily Mm -hmm. think it's like 
their fault that they don't know these things because it's usually you don't know it until you get it or you date someone with it but it's just like I am telling you as someone who has it who does work in this field these are the facts and they're kind of like well no like I don't think like I've had people I've had people tell me that like it's not true like cold (laughs) swords aren't herpes and stuff like that and I'm like like are you fucking kidding so but again it's it it weeds people out because like thank god for those conversations because if I wasn't didn't do that from the start because I if I like didn't have herpes I didn't have to have that conversation then like they would probably still they I mean they would still be dumb I just wouldn't know it as soon as I did so completely and I have that conversation on the show a lot about how like these difficult conversations are hard but my god they save you so much time because they really really weed out like the idiots and the people who are just like not even willing to learn or be open it's like Mm -hmm. it's almost Mm -hmm. easier to date when you are like bringing shit to the table versus like we talked about when you're younger and you're being cool and you're acting like you're kind of like perfect from the beginning and you don't have any sort of like you know trauma or insecurities or like whatever the case is it's like bringing that shit up front and seeing how people react really gives you a good indicator of like if they're going to be a good partner overall and really saves you so much time yeah exactly and that's why like I don't even get nervous when I disclose because like I also think it's like fun now because I'm like let's see how you feel about like let's see how you react to this like I'm I'm (laughs) curious I'm excited for this Um, you're doing like a social experiment you're like let's see how subject b reacts to (laughs) yeah exactly exactly yeah like when I first got diagnosed I was like oh I don't know how to disclose so I would practice on dating apps and like try out all these different ways and it became like fun for me to like educate people now I'm like kind of tired of it but it's it's definitely a social experiment for sure and it helps you like learn get comfortable with like talking about it that's such a good idea for people who are maybe Mm -hmm. you know newly diagnosed and kind of don't know how to navigate those conversations is like dating apps you know having the buffer of like a screen is a little bit easier uh, in the beginning probably than like having to have that conversation in person so it's a really that that makes so much sense that it was a good way to kind of be like okay like I have to start you know, having these conversations, practicing, disclosing, like let's, let's, you know, let's practice on a dating app where there's a million people and I'm, you know, never going to see them again. And I can kind of do it over text and almost practice. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it, and it was also really nice too, because I ended up getting a lot more positive feedback than I thought, especially because I was disclosing in like really unhinged ways. Like, like, <laughs> Just like, I don't even know, like, I would just get, I would just like drink, because it was like during the pandemic, so I would just be like wine drunk and just being like, hey, I have general herpes, like out of nowhere, <laughs> like, so out of pocket. And like, <laughs> but then it worked out, because yeah, a lot of people were like, oh yeah, like I have it, or like, I know someone with it, like it ended up being like really nice. <laughs> Completely, and, and I talk about this too on the show a lot, is like, what, whatever it is, whether it's like, a, you know, a kink that maybe you are like a little worried about disclosing, or like an STI or whatever, it's like, if you come at it chill people are like more likely to react chill versus if you come at it exactly. you have to, like, and you're like I have to tell you something really awful you know what I mean it's yeah, like it makes, exactly. it makes people more chill when you come at the situation you're like yeah this isn't a big deal but like just so you know because yeah if you're freaking out they're gonna feel that energy and, and be like oh shit like I this is something big like I should be nervous about this right. as opposed to just being like yeah I have this thing that's super common and the majority of the world has and they're exactly. like oh okay yeah yeah well, thank you so much for joining me today. And I just I just love the work you're doing. It's like it truly just, you know, as important as, you know, the conversation on like destigmatizing herpes is, it's just like you're transcending that and the fact that you're going into like, you know, just like healing any sort of like sexual trauma and just like sex positivity and liberation and empowerment and like safe sex. It's just they're so such important conversations to have. And we touched on this a little bit, but the the severe lack of sex education in this country is is shocking and you know, the fact that you're out here doing the work and putting yourself out there is just, it's so amazing. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. 
Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay, bye. All right, bye.